Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Bill Bean with us. We're going to talk about his updated book, Stranger Than Fiction 2. But uh, Bill, I'll let you finish up about your father, and then we'll get into the uh, book. Oh, thank you, George. Yeah, and it's just horrific. It really is the way that his life turned out, and, and certainly my mother's. And I back to your question, you know, this is part of your question. Do I believe that those... Uh, demonic forces contributed to her demise absolutely and his demise and my grandmother and many other people in the family and so uh you know having all those health issues and then combined with the demonic attacks that she was sustaining and then on top of it my dad who at that time between the years of 1973 and 1975 started drinking very heavily and he became a raging alcoholic who began to physically abuse my mother during those uh, years and thank god he left us in 1975 because had he not left i'm convinced that he would have killed my mother and i you know again this is part of the journey as to where i'm at now and i've seen this in other cases to where i've gone you know helping other people now um i feel that all life operates on frequency and vibration. Mm-hmm. And when we are under the influence of alcohol and or a drug, uh, it lowers our frequency and vibration. So look, there's nothing wrong with having social drinks. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about when a person becomes intoxicated, inebriated. Now the defenses are coming down because of the frequency and vibration that is lowering. And I'm firmly convinced that in my dad's case, um, those demonic forces were able to push the buttons uh, while he was in that inebriated state. And that's why, and look, he made the choices to do what he did. I'm not saying the devil made him do it, but I guarantee you when we cross those lines and we make bad choices, the devil and his minions will aid in a bed in those bad choices. Well, no question about it. And I've always been told, Bill, and a lot through you, that uh, severe alcoholism opens you up for these demonic forces. Somehow they come through that door, don't they? Yes, absolutely correct. And I have, uh, by the power of God working through me, have helped so many people like that who were immersed in that world of alcoholism or drug addiction. And uh, again, I thank God for working through me to help those people. It's a very, very horrible thing, it gets to the point to where, and, and this goes across the board on how these demons work. It is, uh, it is bully tactics, it's divide and conquer tactics, and it is a game plan of wearing the person down, and no matter what that is, you know, if the person's an alcoholic, drug addict, if they've had trauma, whatever it is, they want to wear the person down to the point to where the person gives up. And once they have no, uh, no will to fight, then the next step could be a demonic possession. We're going to take calls with Bill Bean next hour about demonic possessions, things that have happened to you, things that have happened to your friends. Share those stories with us. Bill, you redid uh, Stranger Than Fiction. You now have Stranger Than Fiction 2. Tell us about that. You know, this is amazing as well, George, because uh, I had really no intention on writing these Stranger Than Fiction books. However, when God brings an idea to me and he puts it on my mind and spirit, then I obey and I follow through with it. So uh, I'm really excited about this book because it's not just about me, just like the first one. Um, I've brought in contributors to the book telling their stories. Um, it is, 
in my opinion, fantastic. And, uh, you know, the first chapter, the, the forward is fantastic in itself because our Tommy D wrote the forward, and I really appreciate that. He did a great job. Um, chapter one is, of course, <laughs> about the year of 2020. How could I not start the book off with that? Uh, and and then we talk about angels and demons and ghosts and hauntings and UFOs and Bigfoot and Mothman and Crowley and Bolskine and Mandela Effect, and then my final word. Um, I have had experiences in every one of those areas, except for going to Scotland and being there at the Bolskine. Uh, I have been involved doing a land blessing in Untermyer Park in New York, in Yonkers, New York, to be more specific, where the Son of Sam cult was uh, gathering and doing their satanic ceremonies, and, and I was there to perform a land blessing. And interestingly enough, George, uh, I had read, I think it was back in the, the uh, mid to late 30s, Aleister Crowley was brought in there uh, to perform satanic rituals. So he was brought to uh, Untermyer Park in Yonkers, New York, to perform satanic ceremonies. And then, interestingly enough, you know, by the uh, late 70s, uh, David Berkowitz and the gang were uh, allegedly um, performing their own black masses right. there and sacrificing animals and all kinds of horrible things. So tell us about uh, Stranger Than Fiction Part 2, some of these cases that you looked at. Yeah, I, you know, and it, uh, especially getting into the demonic uh, chapter of the book. Oh, must have brought uh, back bad, bad memories. Oh, absolutely, and I talk about my own experiences, but I also talk about other people. And, you know, I, this is very sensitive in the sense that um, I can't reveal details and certainly can't reveal names because of confidentiality uh, with my clients. However, if I've given permission to speak about it, then I will. And that's what I did in a couple of these cases. Uh, one that I mentioned was the Caleb Weaver case. And um, Caleb, a good young man, I'm so happy for him now. But i got to tell you, George, he was uh, fully demonically possessed. And uh, his story was featured uh, in A Haunting and uh, I Was Possessed series as well. And uh, Caleb, before I went to performed the uh, uh, exorcism on him, God showed me, and again, you know me, George, I don't claim to be anything special, but God does give me a knowing of things. And God showed me a vision in my mind that this young man was going to try and stab me. Oh, and uh, so I had to be on guard for this, and, and we went over there, and um, I had uh, young John Drenner assisting me on this, and we actually bound his hands behind a chair and while I was performing this exorcism, I started, uh, I used a combination of holy water, holy oil, and holy salt, and I applied that to his head, and some of it dripped down, and he spit it back on me, and had this, the face was just altered, and this does happen in some of these cases. The, the face will actually alter, the eyes certainly will change, I've seen the eyes go all white, all black, and even red, and in one case, uh, like reptilian slits with a yellow-greenish look in the eyes. I've, I've pretty much seen it all. And so uh, this was one of the more intense exorcisms that I had performed. And uh, so after he had spit this mixture back on me, I took power and authority, and George, 
I've said this before, and it's worth repeating, that when you're in a situation like this, and these people are looking to me as the agent for God to perform um, these exorcisms and spiritual deliverances, I have to be in charge, I have to be in control, and I can't show any fear. So just imagine for a second, though, when you're in a situation like this, and God has already shown you a vision that somebody's going to try and stab you and do you know, yeah. bodily harm, uh, I still had to remain under control. He spits this back on me. Um, he ducks his head down then, and I take power and authority over those demons by the mighty power of Yahweh in Jesus' name. And I grabbed his uh, head by his hair and pulled him back up, and when his eyes met mine, this look of anguish came over his face absolute anguish and then his head went all the way back in the chair so his head now his face is now facing the ceiling and all this black garbage starts coming out and this is something else that not in not all not all the cases but in some cases people do have things come out and whether that's vomiting or whatever it may be have you ever seen insects come out of their mouths well, that's kind of what this looked like with oh, Caleb, wow. and it was, you know, it was all this black garbage, and it did kind of look like that. And uh, reminds me of the Green never, Mile. Remember that movie? Exactly right. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say that, that, and and I have never seen that before or after. I hadn't seen it before and hadn't seen it since. As you know, with that specific type of substance coming out, but I have seen many other things coming out of people, and it is not pretty. That's for sure. But um, he was free after it came out of him like that. So when these demons dwell within somebody, they've got to come out somehow. And most times it will be through the mouth. In other instances, uh, like the one I'm about to mention, and this happened, uh, I want to say probably 2018, maybe 2019. Pretty recent then. Yes. Uh, This young man, brilliant, uh, just fantastic family. You would never, ever guess that something like this was going on. And um, when I was performing the exorcism over him, uh, and I do this sometimes, I'll have uh, fill a tub, get the the family to fill a tub, and I'll bless that water and have the uh, victim to step in there. And uh, that was what was taking place on this occasion. And I was, as I was performing the uh, exorcism, the young man's face you would have had to have been there to see it for yourself, George. The young man's face, uh, all of a sudden his cheeks became pointed and his chin, it was like a big V had taken over his face. And all like, of a sudden... Like a whole shift, right? Yes. And, and as I was binding and rebuking and casting the demon out, and I believe there were several demons involved in this, they came out through his head. And so... As it took this shape, and his face had this triangular look, inverted triangular look to it, um, then as they were exiting, his face returned back to normal. Now, interestingly enough, I did not say anything uh, to the victim about uh, me perceiving the demons leaving his head, the top of his head. And he said to me, after it was over with, he felt this tremendous pressure leaving through the top of his head. How about that? Now, how did you train yourself to do this? 
God called me to do it. And see, look, I don't have anything against anybody. And people that go to seminary and they train, fantastic. Uh, the, the Vatican priest, God bless him for stepping up to want to help people. I didn't want this. God put this on me. God, This was a calling that God put on my life. And I didn't take training from anybody. This was pure guidance from God. And George, as crazy as this all sounds, it's absolutely true. And I became an ordained uh, minister in 2013. And then I started going out and, and performing. You know, people were always contacting me for help. But I always felt that uh, I was, A, very unqualified. Well, well, you're one of the rare non-Catholic priests to do this, aren't you? Correct. Yes, absolutely. And again, uh, if not for the calling of God for me to do this, to put this calling on my life, there's no way I'd be doing this. I could not do it of my own accord. Uh, there, it would be physically impossible. I've had uh, so many people, and they still come to me now. I mean, it's, it's nonstop. If you saw my phone, it never stops. The emails, they never stop. The text, whatever it may be. And it's like trying to put a forest fire out with a garden hose. And I do my best, and that is also God in getting me, uh, helping me to manage all the people. But um, I had an impossible schedule before COVID hit. It was nonstop travel for probably six years or better. Yeah, yeah, and I get it, it was so hectic that there were times that I would wake up at a hotel somewhere and say, where am I right now? I couldn't, it was just absolutely overwhelming. It's that blurred that blurred feeling you have for a moment you wake up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, you know, I have to say that God always has a way of recharging me, re-energizing me. Um, I recall another case right now off the top of my head that took place in 2017. We've talked about this one before. And, uh, was one of the most severe, maybe the most severe, case of demonic possession that I have ever been involved in as far as uh, uh, being an agent for God, a spiritual warrior, in, in binding and rebuking and casting it out. This woman, she probably had, you know, just in my off the top of my head, quick reflection, at least 20 different demons in oh on around God. her, and I had to bind and rebuke and cast them out one by one, they would manifest, they would materialize in different voices. Uh, it was a physical struggle. It was, uh, it lasted late into the night, early morning. Oh, you must have been exhausted. And by the time it was over, George, I had nothing left. And I remember sitting in a diner in New Jersey with my head in my hands, just trying to get some energy to recharge. I couldn't even get back in my vehicle to drive home, oh, I was so exhausted. And, and eventually God did start to recharge me, and I was able to... Was that the Lydia case? No, uh, and Lydia is a nun. I'm glad you brought her up. Lydia, uh, her story was featured in the Holzer Files, and I believe, I want to say, George, uh, maybe that was 2018, somewhere in there. And Lydia was in a very bad way as well. Uh, Lydia had suffered greatly from childhood through her adult years, and she was to the point to where she was actually considering suicide. Oh, and geez. so uh, what happened in that case was that she had reached out to Dave Schrader, and then Dave Schrader contacted me, uh, and then the people from uh, the Holzer Files, con the producers, contacted me and asked me if I could get involved in the case. 
and they brought me out there to uh, Columbia, Missouri to help her. And it all culminated with me performing an exorcism over her in a church out there in Columbia, Missouri. And boy, she had some serious demonic... uh, uh, She wasn't possessed, but she was severely oppressed, and it wouldn't have been much longer to where a full possession could have taken place because she was at the end of her rope. She was getting to that point to where she was ready to give up. And I'm so happy. I'm glad you brought her up because she is one of the great success stories. Um, She is flourishing in her life now ever since that night. She's doing so well, and I, I praise God for that. And you have no idea the joy that comes to me when I know that God worked through me to deliver somebody from that and then to see them go on and have a good quality of life. It's just uh, money can't buy that. You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm in St. Louis right now, Bill, uh, and getting blasted with cold weather. But Columbia, Missouri is not that far away from where I am. And uh, I just did a show on the original 1949 Exorcist that occurred with the little boy in the hospital in St. Louis. St. Louis must be a hotbed for demons i've been there many times i've had many people wow. uh afflicted in the st louis area and um boy oh boy i could tell many stories about that as well so yes it is a hotbed for whatever reasons i feel that that region from the uh and, and i can't prove this but i do have a strong feeling that uh the region of from st louis into the chicago area for some reason that region, and maybe it's a triangle, maybe it's a circle, I don't know, but for some reason that, that, that region there has a higher than normal rate of paranormal supernatural activity. I cannot tell you. I have a lengthy list of people that I have hmm. gone to in those areas to help, and it continues to this day. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.